This Week in Retronauts, break a trap for yourself. Americans refer to the late 80s in video gaming as the NES era for a reason. It's not because of some official designation or anything, it's because here in the US, the NES was pretty much the only game in town. Nintendo had the mind share and the market share, and NES fans freely traded games and tips in the schoolyard. We had an easy time finding all the games we wanted, provided one of those regular chip shortages wasn't in progress. The NES owned the minds of gamers in a way that even Minecraft and GTA can only envy today. But there was always the exception, the loner, the odd man out the kid who owned a Sega Master System. Now oftentimes, Master System ownership happened by chance, the result of well-intentioned parents or grandparents who wanted to get their kid one of those Nintendos they kept hearing about on the news and didn't realize Nintendo was a proper brand name. Some kids, though, just didn't feel like following the status quo. In my neighborhood, that kid was Jared. We were the same age, in fact our birthdays were about two days apart, and had a lot in common, but Jared always had to be a little different than everyone else and he reveled in his master system. When we'd hang out together at my house, he'd make endless disparaging comments about my NES games. The music sounds weird, or why does the text scroll so slowly? Is this game for babies? He was like clockwork. Over at his place, he'd gush endlessly about his master system games. He even treated the built-in snail maze game as a point of tremendous pride. His collection was hit or miss, to be honest. Teddy Boy and Ghost House were nowhere near as great as he wanted me to believe, but some of his master system titles were brilliant. R-Type? Amazing. Watching him dismantle the third-level battleship was an incredible video game experience and made me deeply envious. Golvelius? A little loopy, but in many ways it felt like an NES game that had wandered astray. And then there was Zillion. For a Metroid fanatic like myself, Zillion was a cruel taunt. A colorful and clearly Metroid-inspired action game that turned the exploratory platforming of Nintendo's seminal title into a fast-paced adventure, Zillion felt like nothing else on Master System, at least not that I had seen, and it killed me that I couldn't play it on NES. What we didn't know at the time was that the copyright credit for Tatsunoko Productions that appeared on the title screen of Zillion had real significance. The Japanese names were all the same to us inexperienced American kids in the 80s, and it took something unusual to stand out, a name like Hip Tanaka or something. Tatsunoko was just gibberish as far as we were concerned. In truth, the Tatsunoko nod spoke to the true origins of Zillion. Not just a game, Zillion tied in with a Japanese anime created in support of a toy light gun, one similar to laser tag. Knowing that, it's a testament to Sega's determination to be unique and rise above the expected that Zillion for Master System wasn't simply a light gun game. Heck, the Zillion toys themselves even served as the basis, the inspiration, for Master System's light phaser peripheral. Nothing could have been more natural or logical than to turn such a toy into a direct extrapolation of its design. But no, Sega aimed higher. Zillion took the form of a free-roaming exploratory platformer, yet it featured a decidedly Metroid-like vibe. The game began with a sort of prelude where you ran straight ahead and shot, kind of like Contra. But once you made your initial entry into the main portion of the stage, the adventure took on a non-linear feel. The alien base was a sprawling affair full of enemies and traps. It also contained computer terminals though, and you could use these to affect the environment by learning specific codes to disable barriers and defensive turrets. It even had an in-game map which was an insane luxury back in 1987. With its emphasis on keycards and code cracking in an enemy installation, 
Zillion felt almost like a marriage of Metal Gear and Metroid, which was particularly impressive given that Metal Gear didn't debut on MSX until a couple of months after Zillion launched. Heck, the entirety of the adventure centered around infiltrating an alien base and setting it to self-destruct, which culminated in an escape sequence, just like Metroid and Metal Gear. But the game was its own thing, and it tied into the anime in a few ways, most notably with its cast of characters. While you began the adventure controlling the all-rounder protagonist JJ, you could track down and rescue his allies, Apple and Champ, who then would become alternate playable characters a la Konami's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for NES, which again, didn't launch until well after Zillion. Zillion certainly wasn't without its flaws. Things that annoyed when the game was brand new can be even more irritating in this day and age of kinder, gentler game design. For starters, Zillion was nowhere near as forgiving as Metroid. Yes, it had a more straightforward design, but it also lacked anything resembling continues. Once your characters were down, that was it, and given the length and complexity of the game, that made the ending something I had never managed to experience for myself. I also found that Zillion tended to fall afoul of the Master System's D-pad design. The controller's square shape emphasized the diagonals, which in my experience often resulted in the heroes ducking to the floor to crawl when my thumb drifted from the cardinal directions in the heat of combat, always at inopportune moments, and particularly troublesome when continues were in short, as in zero, supply. And finally, while the game itself featured bright colorful graphics, it lacked somewhat in terms of visual variety. Even Metroid, sprawling and repetitive as it was, used color coding to help separate areas from one another something lacking in Zillion. Still, with its ambitious design and excellent music, Zillion really stood out in the Master System's library. More than that, it feels like a poster child for the system's tragic life. There's the germ of a true classic here, and Zillion's sequels could have evolved this rough but promising design of this title into something truly special, but alas, it wasn't to be. Zillion did receive a sequel, but Zillion 2 The Tri-Formation feels like an abandonment of everything that made Zillion great, ditching the exploration in favor of lousy side-scrolling shooting. Whereas flawed but inventive NES games like Mega Man and Metroid eventually found their way to timelessness through iterative sequels, Zillion saw only an abomination of a sequel before being abandoned altogether. And really, it's a shame. Had Sega explored the germ of brilliance they concocted here, Sega fanatics could be clamoring for a follow-up to Zillion's amazing Dreamcast game instead of having to bang the same boring Shinmu 3 drum. If nothing else, though, Zillion will forever command the wistful envy and respect of at least one NES owner who wasn't afraid to step over the lines of the 8-bit console wars and see the good the enemy had to offer. Retronauts, I'm Jeremy Parrish. You can hear more of Retronauts at retronauts.com and on usgamer.net. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and iTunes as Retronauts. Follow us, subscribe to us, leave us a review. And of course, this season of the show is funded by Patreon at www.patreon.com retronauts. Sign up to support us and you'll get cool stuff in the mail from time to time, not to mention, more importantly, access to each new episode one week ahead of iTunes subscribers. Thanks for listening. <laughs>